Welcome to another episode of B2B Nation, the official technology advice podcast for sales and marketing professionals. I'm your host, Chris Kleinfelcher, and I recently spoke with Sherry Medini, the co-founder of Pushpool Sales and Marketing. We talked about how there's a shift to small community marketing with companies trying to find their niche. This is clearly important for small businesses, but bigger businesses are also trying to narrow down their target market. Bigger companies are going back to direct mail campaigns, for instance, to close business with more targeted lists and have a smaller community feel. We also talked about how to create more targeted audience personas to understand who the right customers are for your brand. Uh, I really think you'll gain some insight from this interview with Sherry. Uh, She definitely left some actionable points. You can take this with you and and work on your own campaigns. And uh, without further ado, here's my interview with Sherry. Enjoy. Welcome to the B2B Nation, Sherry. Thanks for talking with me today. Thanks for having me, Chris. I'm glad we uh, figured all this out. Yeah, it's really great to have you on the show. Um, we had, uh, for the listeners, we had a couple of reschedules, but we're really glad that yeah. we're here talking <laughs> today. And uh, so, Sherry, why don't you tell us a little bit more about your background and what you do at Pushpool Sales and Marketing? Sure. So, all of this kind of snowballed, and I've, I'm here in a place that I didn't even really know existed. Um, when I'm looking back, you know, when I went to college and I majored in psychology. I came out and I was working at a nonprofit and um, was a program coordinator there when I was pregnant with my first son and knew I wanted to stay home with him. Um, So I quit working that. And then I was home with my, you know, adorable baby son, but it was like, well, I'd like to contribute a little bit financially. And I want a side project to be able to do for myself as well. So I started you know, kind of discovering this online realm, you know, that blogging was a thing that, that people would pay me to write for their websites or for their businesses. And it opened my eyes to a whole new world of, of freelancing and, um, you know, running online businesses and it snowballed from there. So I've worked for a bunch of different sites, um, a bunch of different companies and, you know, at some point I was doing a lot for other people, but I wanted to have a home base for myself. Um, I wanted to have my own blog, my own site where I could, you know, kind of do those experiments and, um, you know, try different things and basically have a living resume for myself that, you know, that I can put out good content on a consistent basis that I can, you know, run the website and, and everything surrounding it. So mm-hmm. that's where my, my original parenting blog, momshare.com came about. And I started working with a bunch of different brands through there and, and received different clients in that realm. Um, and then as I c- continued to gain more freelancing work that took me into the marketing consulting and um, marketing, like re- content marketing, um, then I, you know, push full sales and marketing came about from there because my husband is a sales manager full time. Um, and we wanted to kind of put our heads together. What's something that we can do together? Um, I really wanted to start a podcast. I'm addicted to podcasts um, as a listener. And, you know, it was about a year or so ago. And I'm like, I want to, I want to start one. Um, I don't want to take on another project that, have to do solo. 
Um, I would love to build this for us together. Um, so we were able to put together Push Pull Sales and Marketing, which, um, you know, mostly started as a podcast. I do a little bit of blogging with it. And then, um, you know, my freelance clients kind of fall under that realm as well. Well, welcome to uh, from one podcaster to another. Welcome to the show. And uh, thanks for the yeah. snapshot about Pushable Sales and Marketing. So uh, we're going to talk about something that we haven't talked about a lot on this show in particular. Uh, and I know that one of the things you focus on is small community marketing. So could you tell our listeners a little bit about what that means and how it's accomplished? Yeah. And actually, this is something a little newer for me as well. Um, the When I was working with the parenting blog, a lot of that was national and international kind of things. It was working with the big brands. It was working with, you know, speaking with people from anywhere in the world. Um, and as I started to take on more of a marketing role in the local community, um, things sort of shifted for me and it's been really fascinating to see the differences. And I'm, and I think we're seeing a shift in the trend um, in the, in the market in general, and that people are, are getting a little bit like we get it. We can be in touch with anybody all over the world. It's not novel anymore. It's something that feels more overwhelming than exciting, I think for a lot of people and a lot of businesses. So I think we're going to start seeing this trend that shifts a little bit more towards smaller community marketing, really finding your niche. So if it, if it means you're a small business here in the local community, you know, that is obviously a little more um, obvious as to how that's working for you. You know, you don't have to focus on getting millions of viewers to your website um, because you can't fit a million people in your store. So really trying to focus on what do you need to stay afloat? What are your realistic goals? And it's kind of easier in a sense and less daunting to say, you know what, if I can get 50 people to come visit this small business um, through content marketing and inbound marketing, that's successful compared to looking at these massive stats. So I think it's an interesting shift. I think people are, are craving that personal touch of the small community again. Um, I think everything comes gets a little more practical. You know, everything's a little more concrete and tactical and personal. Um, and it's interesting to work in that uh, realm. Yeah, I want, this reminds me of uh, Seth Godin's book, uh, We Are All Weird, where he talks about tribes being created around niches because yeah. people have the ability to, uh, you know, express themselves differently. Where It's kind of like television where there used to be 10 channels and now it's not even just channels. Yeah. It's You can go on, on Netflix and watch whatever you want uh, and Absolutely. it's just harder to uh, for these uh, for one player to have such a big audience. So it is interesting. How would yeah. you say... Would you say that this is more a practical idea just for small businesses or does this apply to bigger businesses as well? No. So I think we're seeing the same thing with bigger businesses too, that they're really trying to narrow down the target audience. They're trying to really, and you know, that's just good marketing sense as is, you know, you want to speak directly to your target market. But I think beyond that, you know, um, bigger companies are going back to, um, you know, the, the real estate people, you know, they're, they're getting back to like, I'm going to hand out pies at Christmas, or I'm going to drop off candles, or, you know, they're, everything's um, trying to go back to a little, a, 
more small community feel. And I think we're seeing that with the bigger brands as well um, in the commercials we're seeing, or even just people on the ground, you know, trying to set up sales and marketing teams in smaller towns um, that can be there instead of just everything feeling like it's a little bit removed, um, trying to really share the stories of the people in the community in your target audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So speaking of stories, um, I, I noticed that you've uh, been talking about Medium lately. Uh, for, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, Medium describes itself as, as a website where you can read, write, and interact with stories that matter most to you. It's, it's a pretty neat platform. Uh, so how mm-hmm. do Medium and other sites like it factor into the notion of small community market? Yeah. Um, Medium, like most other platforms, you it is what you make of it you know medium is going to change based on who you're following and what you're putting out there um i think what i have really liked about it is that the the people who seem to have first adopted it are the people that are really strong writers that are sick of all the other stuff that they're being forced to do these are the people that have really strong stories to tell and really great ideas to get across but Maybe they're sick of maintaining their own website or maybe they're tired of all the SEO and they're tired of, you know, all the images needed and and do they, you know, are there going to be ads there and how do they get people to their site? Whereas Medium, you know, is, is, it's a little bit different than Facebook in that it supports the long form content. It supports the back and forth conversation, Um, you know, from features like if you write a comment on a Medium post, that shows up on your profile as one of your stories, essentially. So if you're writing a nasty comment to somebody, that doesn't just, you know, get, it's not just buried somewhere. They want you to comment and add something to the conversation. I think just the simplicity of it and the the first adopters are why I have enjoyed Medium a lot and why, you know, they even make it simple to, if you write a wet, uh, if you write a post for your own blog, you can just copy that hyperlink into Medium and it'll grab it and, and put it out there as a um, native Medium post as well. So it's easy to cross post, it's easy to distribute, um, but when it comes to small community, it's the same thing with anything. It's how you use it. You can absolutely find new people in that, in that really niche audience that you're looking for mm-hmm. um, and have that back and forth conversation because I think on, on blogs, commenting has really gone by the wayside. I don't, I don't even have comments turned on on my current site um, because people just aren't commenting unless they're a spam bot so I think medium is bringing that back a little bit and and striving for a back and forth instead of just putting putting yourself out there and and never knowing how it's received yeah so that that uh makes me think of uh, you know, if, if you're using Medium as a platform and you're, you're trying to, say you're a writer and you're trying to, to target specific types of people, you'll want to have, um, you know, a, a pretty fleshed out persona or maybe even multiple personas. So so I'd like to talk about that next. Uh, you know, one of the challenges marketers have today is creating audience personas. I would say personally mm-hmm. that a lot of marketers are creating more basic personas, uh, but the challenge yeah. then for a lot of marketers to, is to uh, to take the th- a step further. Uh, so, you know, I think you're an authority on the topic. What are some tactics you would recommend to our listeners to build more targeted personas? 
Yeah, I 100% agree with you. You know, we hear, oh, well, our target audience is, you know, 30 to 35 year old women. Well, you know, <laughs> that's, that's, that's a that's lot it. of yeah. people. Um, so this is a point where I get a lot of pushback a lot of times when I'm working with people as a marketing consultant is that we don't want to exclude anybody. We're worried that we're going to scare off those views that we're worried that we're going to be turning down money. We worry that, um, you know, people are going to get upset if we're excluding them. And, and that's not what the target audience is. When you are setting up these target personas, you're setting them up so that you can spend your time and marketing dollars so that you get the best ROI. It doesn't mean that if someone walks into your store or goes to your website and is ready to purchase your item, that you're going to say, oh, no, no, you're not our target persona. We're not going to take your money. It's just (laughs) if we're going to um, be spending the time and effort to try to draw in people, you want it to be your best customer. You want it to be the person that's going to spend the most money, um, that is going to use customer service the least, that that really gets the the um what's the word not the moral behind your company but kind of gets who you are as a company and is going to be an advocate for your company as well so how you want to dive into those personas and these can be fluid these can change you can try different things and see what works the best but i encourage people i have a list of a couple questions and you're trying to picture one person so give them a name. Um, So let's say, you know, instead of saying the woman who's 30 to 35 years old, you're saying, this is Mary mom, you know, she has two kids that are elementary school age. Um, What is the family income, you know, and you're, you're grabbing this, hopefully you have some data to back this up. But if you're in the very beginning stages, that's okay, too. You're picturing that, you know, that your product might really help this mom. So you're picturing, you know, how old she is, how old her kids are, um, what the family income is. Is she working outside the home? Is she working inside the home? Is she working as a mom? Um, Is she, uh, what are her pain points? You know, what are the things that she's struggling with for herself? What are the things that keeping her up at night, whether it's her family or herself? Um, What are the things that she really values, you know, maybe she's really valuing being able to save time somewhere, or maybe she's willing to, you know, drop everything and do whatever if it's going to keep her child healthy, or it's going to help them learn better, or something along those lines, and trying to dive into to the point of what does the day for her look like. And what you're going to get out of that is you're going to get a better understanding of maybe what social media platform she's using. You're going to get a better idea of maybe what hashtag she's looking at on those platforms. Mm-hmm. You're going to get a better idea of when she's going online. If her day looks like, okay, drop off at school and then come home or drop off at school and then go to work and then have a lunch break and then go back to school, maybe she's not online till 9 o'clock at night after the kids are in bed. So if you're posting throughout the day, maybe you're missing her. So. It's, it's trying to really just think of one person. Um, and, and you don't have to have just one persona, but that is one persona. And then if there's um, another persona, you know, maybe have three, four, five different personas, but you're going to be speaking to them differently. Um, and like I said, if, 
if something doesn't seem to be working quite right, the nice thing about working in digital marketing is that you can see all of that, <laughs> see all your stats. Um, you mm -hmm. can usually tweak things, you know, um, in real time. You know, it's not like we're going to run this ad in this magazine and fingers crossed, <laughs> you know, if right. you're doing Facebook ads, you can, you can pause it, you can change it, you can do whatever you want. So, um, but yeah, I 100% agree with you that I think the more specific, the better. Yeah, I've noticed a trend over the past few years where, um, particularly with smaller agencies or just smaller businesses in general, uh, they try to want to be everything to everyone. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that's rooted in fear that in order to, to, to stay alive and grow, we have to try to be everything to everyone and not just focus on one specific type of thing because we might lose out on business elsewhere. Uh, but, but then, yeah. in my opinion, the caveat to that is um, you become less targeted for everyone, so you're, you're really mm -hmm. less of a value across the board than if you yeah. really developed a strong skill set or, or had a specific persona in mind around um, uh, or a specific audience around who you're trying to sell to. Uh, it's, it's really okay. interesting. It's pretty common just to see that struggle, but I totally get it at the same it time. Is. You can really sympathize with it because, um, goodness, yeah. it's hard I to mean, be in I'm that sure situation, you, I, you know? Yeah, I'm sure you deal with this as well, and I deal with the same struggle. I catch myself in this, doing this, like, trying to be as generic as possible and then realizing, no, no, like, okay, let's get back. Who's the persona? You know, let's... Mm -hmm. let's Get, dive in a little deeper here um and you had said um you know sales and buying is such an emotional experience so if you're just grazing the surface if you're never really speaking to a person or really invoking some sort of emotion with them they're not going to be buying your product um and if you're you know it doesn't you have to personalize their experience you have to you know, hopefully the, the best marketing is the marketing that, that makes you feel like, wow, they get me. They're inside my head. I have thought those thoughts. Mm -hmm. um, they're addressing things that are relevant to me instead of, you know, kind of looking from afar. Um, it doesn't build brand loyalty. And, and depending on what you're selling, I mean, there are very few products that don't have a main competitor. So um, mm -hmm. if you're not invoking that emotion from your clients, what's to, what's to keep them loyal to you? You know, they, they're just going to go whoever's offering that same thing for a couple bucks cheaper. Sure. So, so let's say that you have a targeted persona. Uh, how would you mm -hmm. suggest using it within a marketing automation strategy, which more and more companies are adopting? Yeah. Yeah. Marketing automation um, has kind of, uh, become a necessity almost, um, you know, we're expected to put out so much content on a daily basis. Um, so the nice thing is that the technology is there for that as well. So um, you can, depending on what platforms or what services you're using, you can see everything that your customer is doing. And I had, um, a client who was like, well, that's kind of creepy. I'm like, well, no, let's think of it this way. If you had a physical store in a physical location instead of an online store, if somebody walked into your store, you know what they're doing. You see that they walked over to the shirts and checked those out. And then they walked over to the shoes and then you get to see their pattern. 
So why not do the same thing with your with your online store? So if they come on your site, you want to see where they hovered or which articles they read, um, you know, which blog post, or if they downloaded an ebook, or if they added something to their cart and then left. And all of those things can become um, trigger points to send them information that's similar. So if you know the somebody was on, if we stay in the clothes kind of realm, if they're on the online store and they were looking at a t-shirt, um, but it was in a kid size, you know, those follow-up emails are going to be, uh, you know, in line with the kid fashion kind of stuff um, instead of switching gears and trying to push them towards something that maybe they weren't interested in. Um, if they were reading an article um, on an education site, you know, if they were reading an article about um, elementary school math or something, you're not going to start sending them um, your product codes for your high school, uh, you know, learner, like textbooks or whatever. Um, you're going to stick in that age group. So that means that you do need to be paying attention to how your email lists are segmented so that you can really be speaking to people um, and automating all of that. Um, and you need to be setting up those triggers so that, uh, you know, otherwise it would be way too time consuming. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's, I, I prefer to put the effort into creating content that's really going to speak to people and getting those, that automation set up and then it will make a big difference. Well, Sherry, thank you again. Uh, that, this has been a, a really great discussion on uh, small community marketing. I feel more enlightened than I did 20 minutes ago when we started about the topic, and I think our listeners will as well. Um, how can our listeners find you out on the web? Sure. So pushfulsales.com is our website. You can search for us in iTunes if you're interested in listening to the podcast, just Pushful Sales and Marketing. Um, but the pushfulsales.com, all of our personal social accounts are there, kind of a little bit more about us. Um, our Instagram and our Twitter are also at Pushful Sales. Um, and I wanted to offer to your listeners, if anybody is listening and is interested in um, me doing a, web, a website review for them, I am happy to do that for free. If you just send us an email, pushfulsales at gmail.com, um, send me your website, a little bit about you, and I can look over your website and just send you an email back with a couple suggestions. All right. Well, thank you again to Sherry for joining me today. And thanks, as always, to our listeners for following along. This episode was recorded at the Technology Advice Podcast Studio in Nashville, Tennessee. To listen to more episodes of B2B Nation, check us out on SoundCloud or iTunes. And to learn more about the show, you can find us on Twitter at technology underscore ADV or online at technologyadvice.com. Thanks for listening.